Ghosts are horny. Spooky. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had mm-hmm. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. To be fucking racist. Persqueeter. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Ben Francis. And I'm Allie. I'm back. Hello. Welcome back. Thank and we'll you. be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. Today, I would really like to uplift some Asian media since this episode kind of flirts with that in a way that I'm less than excited about. Uh <laughs> something i saw recently besides the asian pacific islanders advertisement that played no less than four times during the milwaukee bucks boston celtics game i <laughs> i caught in addition to watching that advertisement i also did the right thing of going to see uh everything everywhere all at once recently and uh i gotta i gotta say if that's not best picture we should just burn the oscars yeah i feel like that every year i'm like this time we're gonna we're gonna end it we're just gonna kill it dead nope comes back again I would say as far as representation goes in that film, it is far and away the best Asian American representation I've seen in a film, period. Hell so, yeah. Uh, I would I would recommend uh, anyone coming off of this episode, maybe seek that one out or video on demand if they offer it soon. Oh yeah. Mine is a lot more childish, so I apologize in advance. But um, have either of you seen Raya and the Last Dragon? Yeah, actually. I'm not. But you can go ahead and talk about it in any detail, please. (laughs) That is mine today because, first of all, the screenplay, both of the writers are Asian or Asian American. And it is just like a really cute story about family and the importance of family and the importance of like not hoarding resources, whether it's like knowledge or power or whatever. And my only complaint is it is very gay in subtext, but is not in like actual text Mm -hmm. so if they made it gay i would love it even more but especially for kids movies it's exciting to see much more positive versions being made with actual representation yeah i like that one it was fun cool fight sequences and stuff very gay i'm laughing i'm laughing because everything everywhere all at once is also very gay (laughs) (laughs) we have a theme going (laughs) I feel bad. I'm going to break the theme then. Oh, oh no. I'm sorry. I I mean, I'm very gay about this movie. Um, (laughs) It's in like a completely different direction than both of those. I want Mm -hmm. to have people after seeing this episode get online and try and find somewhere to watch Lust Caution, which is a 2007 Ang Lee movie. Notably, it's got Joan Chen and Tony Leung in it. Yeah, it's a bunch of, like, radical theater kids. They're, like, big nationalists, and they're trying to get rid of the Japanese occupation. Yeah, that sounds really good. I cannot even begin to impress upon you how horny this movie is. It's, like, (laughs) probably the horniest movie I've seen that isn't getting close to porn. You know what I mean? It just, like, it just has horny energy. (laughs) 
I gotta respect Ang Lee from going like liter- literally like, all right, I'm gonna win all the Oscars. Okay, here's your blank check. What are you gonna make next? I'm gonna make a steamy erotic period thriller. It's incredible. Tony is so hot in this movie. It's insane. <laughs> it's so crazy. There's like mahjong aunties. It's got everything. Like, <laughs> I highly recommend. Today's episode is season four, episode six, Yellow Fever, the reaction meme episode. This episode was written by Andrew Dabb and Daniel Laughlin and directed by Phil Sagricia and originally aired on October 23rd, 2008. Okay, so (laughs) before we really get into any of the content of this episode, I want to talk about the title because it contextualizes a lot of my larger problems with this episode. Yellow Fever could be referring to a lot of stuff within and without the episode so like within the context of the show you could be thinking about like sam's yellow eyes that are like indicative of azazel the yellow eyed demon and like a potential for him to end up there and you could be talking about being yellow bellied as in cowardly because this episode centers around this ridiculous level of paranoia and fear That could be related to, outside of this context, a lightly mean way to talk about people from Lincolnshire, England, which had to do with, like, their military garb being yellow. On the end where it continues to get maybe not as nice, there is a very rare disease called yellow fever. It's, you know transmitted by mosquitoes it makes you jaundiced very simple and straightforward but then um you know you get into the tangential to jungle fever kind of thing where yellow fever is like the shithead racist against asian people version and then you get into yellow fever as it might be referring to a yellow peril or terror or specter depending on whoever you're learning it from And I just, you know, (laughs) coming from a show that, like, casually and consistently eroticizes nameless Asian women, uh, (laughs) I don't know, I find it a little offensive. And it's hard to say that, like, they didn't know that this was part of the joke that they're building into the title because they do specifically inject Japanese culture things into the episode, so... Yeah, when you said casually, I thought you were going to say casually racist, because that's also something the show is. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the title in and of itself is casually racist. Like, it doesn't even give a shit about the fact that it's racist. When you said inject, I thought that was a good way to clarify it, because there's it doesn't feel as built up from the ground up in this episode so much as what if we just sprinkle these elements of like other cultures in or, right. or like inject them in, in a way that's like this ties up our problem in how we need to bring out this folklore rather than like we're going to build from the bottom in the sort of right. way that one of the previous episodes uh, I, I guessed it on that one like even though it was wrong <laughs> like it was referencing the wrong thing or like a made up thing the episodes like core terror was built around it this episode's core terror is not built around the whatever it is in that edo period encyclopedia of spirits like it's it's built around watching reaction faces from from dean 
which right. like really makes it worse that they're like eh, it's something from the far east like really <laughs> like right. this is how we're, we're dropping it in we're not gonna build around it i feel like people in the writer's room were saying the word oriental a lot like that's the vibe i get when uh-huh. you yeah. name the episode yellow fever yeah, it seemed it seemed very like, well, what's fun to me, not thinking about it too much. And this is what we get. They're like, I'm not going to think about what the associations I'm pulling too much. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put leave them in and just move on. And like, I'm going to make <laughs> one of my favorite actors <laughs> say like bad Japanese <laughs> in, the, in the middle of the episode. <laughs> uh, I love Jim Beaver. I love Jim Beaver so much. But <laughs> I saw that and I was like, I'm it's cringing. so bad. I I'm literally <laughs> I can't look at the television during that moment. Like it physically, it causes me pain. Like, nothing against him it's just like that's uh, yeah. no it's not him like he didn't wrote, write it he didn't know japanese nobody tried to teach him how to inflect the sentence so yeah it's not pierce accented that's for sure right <laughs> it's, it's southern accented <laughs> it's what it is yeah i just i don't know i think in particular like thinking about the ideas of like infection with regards to this title it's just really insidiously like xenophobic and racist especially like with the way that like the yellow peril like that whole idea like the idea that east asians and southeast asians were going to like take over the world like a pandemic like it's just it's so like like if they didn't title this episode this way like you would have to try really hard to find or maybe not even really hard but you would have to try a lot harder to find the connection between like all this asian stuff and like the idea of fear in and of itself because yellow isn't really like a theme color of the episode at all they could have gone with literally anything else, but like they did the podcast thing where they heard one funny thing in the middle of their episode and they're like, that should be the title. Only this time was racism. Like <laughs> it's it's just like uh you you took something pure and funny and you like something that I complained about in a previous uh recording was that I think putting a hat on a hat is unnecessary and takes things away. And like like you mentioned by titling it this, I cannot not look at it in that lens now it's assigned to it it gives me the same energy as the guy in every history class that always plays devil's advocate it's just very much like we didn't have to and that person just thought it was funny and like of course there could be issues without the name but it just takes it to a new level of intentional yeah it thinks it's being cute which is how i know that they know what they're doing Mm mm-hmm and I think that's worse to me, like yeah. not caring right. about what they're leaving behind. Right. And I think like, you know, one thing about this episode is that it actually doesn't have like the stupid busty Asian beauties gag going on. Yeah. But they don't need to. They don't need mm-hmm. to because we already have that idea presented to us by the title. Man, it fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. I don't really have anything intelligent to say about it beyond that. So it's also strange because the rest of the episode, if I like really break it down, spends way more time with a child version of Lilith. Like it spends more (laughs) in that zone. It spends more in like the interior Jensen Eccles Dean zone than it does in like his reaction faces than it, than it would on the, the Buru Buru itself. Right. Mm -hmm. 
it seems like one was slotted in or was the original pitch and they wrote a different episode that was extremely funny <laughs> but like right again another one of those times where i feel like it's just mismatching the things that it should be pairing um like it has like strengths all throughout this episode that have nothing to do with its title <laughs> or uh objectification like again it's this is a problem with the the cannibal episode or uh the ragaroo ragu whatever <laughs> the same the same thing with that episode it was like watching two different ideas of and that aren't even a stories and B stories there's different ideas like uh-huh. being jammed into one episode <laughs> all right so now that we've got that out of the way let's talk about the content of the episode I am a huge fan of this cold open, even though setup is very clearly like you can tell there's a punchline coming, but it really reminds me of um, the cold open at the end of season three in that last episode where it's like a nightmare where Dean is getting chased by a hellhound. So like, even though it turns out that he's running away from a little Yorkie with like a bow, like um the fear is grounded in something that we do know he was traumatized by and i i think that makes the joke funnier yeah i'm obsessed with this cold open and i'm all for camp like i think supernatural could lean a lot more into campiness at times oh totally i mean honestly that's why i really like a lot of the later series is because Mm -hmm. they like let go of the desire to cling to this grimdark aesthetic (laughs) And they're just like, you know what? What if we just went full camp? What if we had Jensen Ackles impersonate Scooby-Doo for 30 minutes? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And get have him exaggerate his faces into the camera, squirt goo in, in Sam's face. Like everyone gets to camp it this episode. I agree. This is a way more... Doesn't it like make him hold a heart or something? Yeah. It makes yeah. him like, hold a heart. <laughs> this episode swings for those fences. And oh, we're yeah. having more fun. Like, I had way more fun watching this episode than probably the previous two I've done. So. Yeah. De- oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, that autopsy scene is so good. So they, like, go into, like, this flashback because the cold open was, like, in the future a couple of days. And they're investigating Frank O'Brien's death. And they're doing, like, the autopsy scene or whatever with the doctor. And, I, like, I love that he just seems so over it. I'm like, it's, it's <laughs> funny to me because like, even though his job as like a mortician, I guess, is very kind of grim and serious. Like he still has that like another day at the job kind of attitude. But like, I imagine that even those kind of jobs, like after you're doing it for a while is really like another day at the job. You're like, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I love the blase attitude of it. I, you could tell he was having fun getting one over the feds, even though like his job is like, it's just whatever his day. Like he, 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 was, he starts like making them do his job for him. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, I loved that. I love that he makes them hand him shit and hold shit. Like it's great. He's a star. He is. He is. There's just something about like a sassy medical professional in this show. Like there have definitely been other episodes where I've been like, love that guy. And it's like the mortician. 
I especially love when it's so serious and like here's a small town with three deaths and he's like yeah I still don't give a fuck yeah right <laughs> they're like well what about all of these clues all over him yeah. you know like oh it's <laughs> up and the guy is like yeah you know sometimes when people fall down they get scratched up by stuff <laughs> yeah like the only thing it's missing is a, like a fucking blues clues on the autopsy or the cadaver right. <laughs> right and this guy's just like I, this is not my job <laughs> yeah <laughs> i need to take y'all's temperature about the whole like a, a, the cop who essentially is relegated to being like the fucking receptionist at this <laughs> sheriff's office this linus character and like everything that's going on around him does this whole thing seem a little like gay to you or is that just me it, it seems like column a is gay and, and column b is like head in the clouds kind of like space case character <laughs> like the one that would get assigned a desk because they would like daydream during a robbery definitely bimbo vibes yeah <laughs> also a little gay and i'm not himbo not like cronk okay no. Bim- like bimbo straight up there's something about that character and the way Dean interacts with him that feels very fruity to me. And then there's that giant mural of like the wild horses in the background. And I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> we do not need any more police procedurals. I would definitely take one about him though. I feel like it would have to be like strictly a comedy though. Like there couldn't be any investiture in like serious drama stuff at all. No, it's just him at the desk every day. Honestly, I might watch that. (laughs) I don't want to see like cops running around in the street being heroic, Mm -hmm. which they never are in real life. I want to see them doing paperwork. (laughs) I want to see the arc about who's stealing his lunch. Oh my god. (laughs) Someone got his vanilla pudding again. (laughs) But no, seriously, though. Like, there's there's something fruity going on. And then when they go to talk to the sheriff, and the the sheriff is all talking about Gamecocks and whatever. "Mm." (laughs) Something really gay is going on. Both both of the baseball teams had extremely, I guess, fruity is what we're going to keep saying. Fruity names. Gamecocks. Uh... See, I wouldn't call those fruity. Like, they're not even being cute. They're just like, this is about dicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's not even like a tongue-in-cheek. They're like, it's dicks. <laughs> mm-hmm. For me, that's like a separate category than fruity. Supernatural wiki calls him eccentric which is exactly what my grandma would have said 30 years ago too right about a gay person yeah 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 so it's confirmed (laughs) i forget what i was gonna say never mind talking about the sheriff yeah the the baseball teams and he's friends with the guy who's dead but he's like yeah i just hadn't seen him in a minute and you're like sure (laughs) i don't know why you would just have that reaction to a friend's death Uh, yeah oh this was also like the first instance of a kind of weird i don't know why this is happening like asian culture reference so he makes them take off their shoes to go into his office yes yeah And I'm like, why? Like, I'm still trying to figure out that gag, actually. Like, I'm like, why is this funny other than the fact that it's stupid? Because it's a public place. 
Am I like, am I crazy? Is there something really obvious I'm missing? No, there was, there was nothing else in his office that would lean into the joke, like set design wise, mm-hmm. or there were no other visual gags or jokes that, okay. that leaned into because, it. Right. Because I feel like there's like that character in Mad Men or whatever. Maybe into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, that's his whole, like, gag. That's his whole, yeah. That's yeah. his whole thing. And you're just like, all right, he's a weeaboo. This whole conversation was so alarming. Just how he's like, yeah, he's missing. And then he's also like, yeah, my friend who loves reptiles. I don't know. This character, it just seems like this episode, some of the characters are just off to be off. Yeah, I mean, you gotta have a a wacky, goofy town full of silly, quirky guys. That's just how you have to do it in an episode that's being wacky and goofy. I was just like, thank fucking God I'm not stuck in this town. (laughs) Imagine trying to date in this town. Everyone's like a reptile guy or like really mentally unstable or a murderer or a weird Japanese culture aficionado or like. I'm all for them dating each other. Just not you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Again, I would watch that sitcom. Yeah. So after this, we have like the first thing that Dean gets like nervous about just the teenagers and I just have to think that like you know honestly to be fair they're teenagers I too avoid them (laughs) yeah yeah that's what had me wondering I'm like at any point of this episode are these callbacks to previous fears that Dean has had does he have a thing about snakes does he just hate kids or find them creepy which is why like later in the episode I'm like oh so Lil it's a kid does he have a fear of kids this is just stuff that is generally scary and in any context uh, I couldn't tell if it was like a character driven thing or not. So. Right. So some of it is, I think it's either like mirroring his habits and behaviors or like bad experiences he's had in the past. So I can't think of anything with teenagers in particular, but he does dislike bugs and reptiles. I believe there's a, a joke about that, like relating to Indiana Jones at some point, <laughs> pre- like in, in previous episode or maybe in a future episode. But anyway, it is a thing. And like, you know, his, his diet is really bad. So like, (laughs) he's like concerned about like, you can see like the gears turning with like the cholesterol. And I can see like, in the slow driving, he's like really worried about doing anything that would ding up his car. Because he's very concerned about his car, you know. So most, most of it, I think, tracks. Um, I do want to tell you, though, that Lilith in particular has always been presented to us as a child, except for in like one very brief instance up, up to this point. Okay. So that's just his, his memory of what she looks like. But yeah, it's like, it's not like it's like random things that he's afraid of. It's like, like actual sensible stuff from his own personality from for the most part and like until we get further into the episode i think okay good because i was like sam is putting up with this for quite a while (laughs) (laughs) that's where that's sam i was like how is he not like pushing him against this but okay poor sam is always having to save dean from things and like put up with dean getting cursed and hexed and like kidnapped (laughs) And everything, he's got to be so exhausted mm-hmm. constantly. Why is Sam like the babysitter? I feel bad for Sam. I don't know. I wouldn't want to put up with this. <laughs> no. It just seems annoying. <laughs> is this when we meet the reptile guy? 
Yes. The reptile guy is after like the car. No, the car stuff is after the reptile guy. Yeah. Uh, the, so the reptile guy is right after the, the teenagers. All I know is I've listened to enough true crime to know it's always the husband. It's always the husband. Always. Whether it's the fault, the murderer, I don't care. Just, just assume it's the husband. What I didn't understand here, but I, I think they're trying to do a thing with it is like why this guy is so uh, determined to stick up for Frank, who's just passed away. Mm-hmm. Like when clearly he was not a nice dude. Yeah, I, I, I know they're trying to do a thing. It just reads weird especially if like your friend dies and you're friends with him and know he's changed you're not gonna be like yeah he used to really fucking suck (laughs) even in this show it's it's one of those moments that caught me out it's a whiplash too coming from like such an enjoyable scene where like i I believe dean is breaking breaking down about why would you even want to hang out with me i'm so uncool i put you through all this shit (laughs) like that kind of existential crisis to like i mean i mean it's good contrast to have it be like following one well he was a he was a great man and not, definitely not a piece of shit like it's it's good to have like that contrast of like definitely a, didn't murder nobody know how nobody <laughs> like that kind of the person who's the fake or the person who is like not as confident as that they are the real thing always tries mm-hmm. harder to be the real thing and like does the effort right like the mm. or generally speaking it's how that shakes out and like the person the who's Yes, and the person who's the confident one and like believes that they are the the thing tends to be mediocre <laughs> or outright dangerous. <laughs> and like right. both of that play out in like two scenes back to back, and I kind of like that a lot about the structure of this episode. Yeah, for sure. Two two different varieties of of male insecurity at play. <laughs> uh, True. At least two. At least. I, I don't know what to describe Sam. So we're just going to focus on Dean and the guy who's Sam, pretending his brother didn't Sam kill someone. This episode is like, and this happens to him in a lot of episodes, I think, um, that are more focused on what Dean is doing. He gets boiled down to two qualities, being aggravated and moving the plot along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he is the plot anchor of this episode. Because he's the only one who's actually able to do anything. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's the whole reason Bobby gets involved in the episode. Like he is the, yeah, he turns the, the wheel. Good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Poor Sam. <laughs> so obviously the scene with all the reptiles is ridiculous. But again, to be fair, that was a very large snake. I would not be comfortable with that snake on me. And I'm not suffering from a paranormal illness. That you know of. <laughs> <laughs> Ali, are you saying I'm haunted? I'm saying Am I haunted? Allie, you spoke eat? very surely about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, do we need the EMF detector? That'd be a really nice thing. We we should make our own EMF detectors. That'd be fun. I literally have them. Oh really? My God, yes. Yeah, yes. I go ghost hunting. I didn't know you had an EMF detector, Ali. What the fuck? I thought we were oh, yeah, I have a ghost go kit. I'm not even kidding you. I don't think you are kidding. I'm, I'm like kit? sad and and hurt that you wouldn't share this with me. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I just ghost hunted the other week at my dad's house and we found out uh, there might be a body. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. There's like a three foot by three foot box that was filled with concrete under my a subfloor we didn't know was there. Oh, my God. Mm. 
Yeah. And the ghost told us actually. And then my dad showed me the, the cross face he found. What the fuck? Mm, true supernatural crime podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a spinoff here at least. If, if, if we do find out more about the case, we'll, uh, we'll be sure to not give away too many things before the season finale. But Allie, you have to keep giving us updates on this. That's just amazing. Yeah. Just like in Supernatural. Just like the Winchesters, Allie. (laughs) And hopefully leave the racism. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully. hopefully. (laughs) Uh. So after they leave the reptile guy place is when Sam talks to Bobby and finds out about the ghost sickness. But I do just want to briefly gush about how adorably stupid Dean is in this scene. Like, he's just like a huge baby in this middle part, and I just love it. I hate how offensive this episode is because I really like the Dean in it. Like, I had a whole D&D character that was just scared Dean. Oh my gosh, did you really? (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Like, it's just... we had so many opportunities in this episode and we did get some really fun moments but it's at what cost right oh my gosh and like 90 percent of it is because of the title literally let me enjoy being jamming out the eye of the tiger for a minute like why do we have to transition into what feels like a barely veiled hiv aids joke you know what i mean Because here's where they start to explain that, well, Dean probably has ghost sickness. This is Bobby's theory, that he was infected by the corpse of Frank O'Brien because he's a dick. And I think, like, again, it's like one line or phrase away from, like, being okay. It also bothers me because it's like, you could debate it. You could be like, well, that's not what they meant. Like you can see, you can see that. Like he he has the line about our very own outbreak monkey, and I think what they mean here, okay, is they're talking about the movie Outbreak because Dean is with you know the cultural references and the TV and the movies and stuff all the time. Mm. But the thing is, <laughs> like like people make jokes about like AIDS monkey like a lot. Um, that's like a thing. And then when they have that overlaid with the joke of the Gamecocks and the corn jerkers thing, how am I not supposed to connect those two things? Like it's all of these dudes who infected each other with this disease. That gives you rashes and lesions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they're, like, joking about them being corn jerkers or whatever. Like, why? Like, it's just, you're already being so racist. Did you really need to be super homophobic on top of it? I think, like, the idea of the ghost sickness otherwise works well. Like, is it stupid to explain? Absolutely. But it works okay, like, functionally through the episode. It's just it also has this big fucking AIDS joke on top of it. Yeah. Which is not cool. 
it's treated as if it was cool though it's not treated with like a level of severity or even interest like it would be in when john carpenter made the thing he made a big deal out of the fact that he only had men in it for the reason that and like the blood test scene and other scenes to like drive a heightened response like most of his films are like heightened responses to the period that he was in which was the middle of the AIDS crisis the middle of reaganomics like right there's there's a lot more intention on display i don't think like those movies would have like a blase like riff about it they would make it the subtext and that's the difference between the like a supernatural style episode which like generally treats thing a lot of things as window dressing i'm realizing the more i watch the show like it will invoke things for the sake of getting the idea across not for the sake of like driving the idea home yeah yeah Yeah. entertaining with the idea yeah yeah well i think like the intention of the joke here is to be at the expense of you know hyper masculine men who are all about hanging out with their bros and like how those kinds of like friend relationships look really fucking gay from the outside but you know to like make it about AIDS is really just punching down on gay people it's not like a big win against like bro sports dudes or whatever and you know like it's the fact that they're also like a softball they're softball teams yes baseball it's like it's everything and it's like it sucks because otherwise if like if there's none of that other crap then you're like Gamecocks and corn jerkers, that's hilarious, okay? And, like, the way they deliver the lines where they're, like, oh, were they also Gamecocks? And Sam's, like, corn jerkers. Like, they're so serious. Like, that's funny. Like, it is funny. It's just, like, the joke is ruined by them being a piece of shit about gay people. Yeah, and I think, like, we talk a lot about intentionality, and we have to assume for the positives that supernatural is trying things so it kind of goes hand in hand like we also have to assume or at least give culpability to them because in the end this is what they produced right exactly and like having an audience of people being like ha 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 so funny and gross that people got aids from being gay with each other like that has a real impact like the same way that making this joke about the yellow peril has like a real impact on like how people interact with each other in the real world and I know it sounds like maybe I'm making too big a thing out of it because it's a fucking one-off episode of Supernatural but this is a really popular show and it's a really popular episode So I think it is really fucking important to be like, nah, fuck this. Yeah, and I get if this were a show that was explicitly gay with people who were gay creating it, it could like be handled in a different way. Like it feels very much like people joking about trauma and racism and homophobia who have no right to be. Yeah, like this show sometimes thinks it's like Atlanta, right? When it's it's not. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. I'm like, don't. Don't go there. <laughs> That's why I brought up Carpenters as an example of like a filmmaker who who thread that boundary of like, yeah. I will stay I'll stay in my lane, but I will also comment on the things that I see happening. And it, like you said in this episode, it's not commenting on things that are happening. It's not building it into the subtext. It's not creating a grander conversation or thought around the provocative thing. It's like you said, people who have no business or no bearing or understanding of how to make the joke, making that joke and then punching down as a result and like, basically like wasting great setups that are funny that we've talked about being funny for punchlines that 
are not <laughs> like right. reaching those same like, heights. Is, I'm so fucking ignorant. Like it's not. It's people are laughing at you, not with you. Like right. Yes, exactly. Like I have like my head in my hands. I'm like, who do you think you are? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but to move As along, teens I work with say, "You thought you ate supernatural. You thought you ate." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's the confidence. It's the confidence that always makes you think like that they're directing something that they have a grander plan for. At least right. in the episodes that I've seen. And then like I have to reflect on it by the end of the episode. Like, did they live up to those ambitions? And no. 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 Especially no. not with these jokes. No. Um, not, not to be- not to belabor it, but like it, it does seem a pattern of the episodes I I've viewed so far for the podcast. So. Yeah. No. Who's a coincidence? There is a pattern. It's totally fine for you to point it out, in my opinion. And, I, and that's something that like Jordan will bring up a lot too, is that like individual episode writing sometimes seems a little too big for its britches. Like yes. it's like yes. it's trying to do too much. And then it's like, oh fuck, this is a 45 minute episode. <laughs> <laughs> but to move along, so let's talk about this hotel room. Okay. I think we briefly were talking about like color palettes and stuff in Lazarus Rising. Yeah. And I was recalling that again, very strongly in this like hotel room because of everything being like different shades of like a neutral kind of green color. Mm-hmm. And then like that one red accent wall, which like manages to not feel Christmassy, but like it was fun for like the way the episode was oriented around Dean's like PTSD and then like when he's in the thick of some of his hallucinations, like being in the red room um, instead. I was really interested in particular in how, do you remember he like breaks the clock because he's like reading the book and there's like, he's like hallucinating the text and it's like yelling at him or whatever. And this scene is again, like reminding me big time of the last episode of season three. Like, do you remember? No, this episode, I even like went back and rewatched parts of it today. And I, it it was so forgettable in many moments to me. (laughs) See, this is, but this is why I kind of have a problem. Like, it's hard for me to figure out how I feel about this episode, because on the one hand, it's like really, really offensive. But some of the writing, I think, in terms of uh, like linking it to overarching shit and like connecting it to like good character development it is it's like it's there so like in season three episode 19 they're like researching about hellhounds and there's this he like hallucinates while he's looking at the drawing of it in the book and this is after he's woken up from the nightmare mm-hmm. and then here he's looking at the book waiting for sam to come back and it's like the text is like yelling at him and like calling him pathetic and stuff. So I thought like as a follow up to the way the cold open was with the clear fear of like the Yorkie, you know, which was like, oh, this is about hellhounds. And he even talks specifically about hellhounds later in the episode. It was like a nice little bookend there. But then like they put, they take it even further with like the clock because like countdowns were like a whole big thing in that last episode of season three. And like, there were a lot of shots of clocks and the emphasis on checking the time and like everything. You know, I I think when there's specific emphasis on, on clocks like this, it already heightens anxiety, but like 
because on top of that, we have this like memory of Dean specifically being terrified of this countdown to his inevitable death. Like the return of it is kind of alarming. I think it's fun. Yeah, it gives them more stakes in the silliness. Yeah, it's like underneath the silliness, there is like a, a real undercurrent of like, oh, fuck. Which is sort of like what you mentioned a minute ago, which is like a lot of this does feel like trauma response, like humor stuff. Like, I'm laughing, so I'm not crying. Haha. <laughs> like, because of the way so much of his experiences are like a very goofy reflection of his real fears and anxieties. Yeah, I didn't think this is a bad episode. It's just the things thrown in that make me really angry. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Let's jump into this first scene where they they get into the factory. So they've they've found the clue, the wood chip. I love his delivery on I don't want to be a clue. <laughs> like <I'm, laughs> he's just full of babyisms in this episode. I don't want to be a clue. It has the same energy as I lost my shoe. I just love it. <laughs> it's so cute. But this this scene is when it really starts to go off the rails wacky, which I enjoy greatly. So the first thing that kind of happens when they get there is that Dean just starts fucking drinking like alcohol. Like we're just going with the liquor, which is kind of the um, like I've, I've talked in the past about and I've definitely warmed to the kind of like fear that they show in this episode but I've um in the past been like eh, I don't know about like some of the ways they have Dean express fear because we've seen him scared in the past um, so we know how he acts when he's scared but this is like a different kind of fear I don't know it's like a whole big thing but anyway this behavior is the number one behavior that I expect out of Dean when he's like freaked out about stuff like in general. So I was very pleased and sad to see it. He was just yeah. like, fuck it. We're day drinking. Kind of goes with yeah. the theme of what you said before about everyone just kind of having a just clock in relationship to their jobs. This is just one of those days that he's just got to get through. Right. <laughs> like, got to finish oh my, my God. <laughs> That's why he's throwing him back. Right. He's like another day on the monster hunting gig. Time to get drunk. I love that yeah. metaphor because his, the monster hunting gig means a bad day is death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, we have Detective Sam again. Yeah, I do. I do like Detective Sam. It, it is a little hammy the way mm-hmm. like the stuff is scattered around. He's like Frank O'Brien's ring. I think <laughs> you mentioned like Blue's Clues earlier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> feels exactly like that I think like that kind of works for this episode because I'm already not taking it very seriously like this wouldn't work very well in like this wouldn't work in Lazarus Rising you know but it works here because Dean is screaming at kittens I think it works here with that aspect I I just struggle with this because of how sad or like kind of villain Luther is like oh yeah it's just fucking heartbreaking and then it's like <laughs> blues clues of what of his stuff is still left around this site right for us to figure out also 
it's really accurate that they're like this is something the whole town covered up like that makes a lot of sense when you're like oh there were all these sketchy men we've met right big surprise they ruined someone's life yeah right and I think like in that way it does really mirror like a lot of classic detective like small town murder mystery shit you know it, it usually is like the whole town yeah and people may think that's like overdone but then like watch making a murder like this shit happens I was trying to construct some kind of joke in my head about like yeah I too have been turned into an infectious embodiment of fear <laughs> striking out in my revenge it happens all the time, but like it's just not coming together the way I want. So you, well, that's honestly, what you I wish someone would turn me into that. <laughs> Is your life truly that boring, Allie? Um, I don't think it's boring, but like I'll still take it. <laughs> like, who would say no? Like, to be in the embodiment of fear and freak out people who are shitty. Like, okay, also sorry I'm circling um but the idea that they would even think that Dean is the one like infected because he's mean um I'm sorry Sam is the most judgmental person in this show very judgmental it's true he laughed at the one guy who got like sexually assaulted in the um in the one episode what was what was that one called tall tales if anyone's a bully, it's Sam. Isn't that what Sam's entire like character arc is about in After School Special, which is also this season? <laughs> I swear. Uh, no, I mean, Ben, you don't care about... Well, you know, I I don't care about spoilers, but I, I will build on what I said before about like the the person who is the imposter trying harder than the real thing, who's oblivious mm-hmm. or otherwise just thinks they're the thing. So yeah, it, it tracks again with with Sam being the the bully and the the Dean being afraid of being the bully. Right, <laughs> that's a really yeah. good point. I didn't yeah. think of that. So. It, it, yeah. does, it does further drive home what you what you both were saying so like i i do really like sam as a character but i think that he is an angrier more aggressive person than mm-hmm. dean is like on the whole and obviously like in certain contexts like no and, and like season one is like an area where i like to point that out a lot like there's a lot of emphasis on sam reminding dean that things aren't really cut and dry and black and white all the time but as like the story goes on sam does get a lot colder in that regard and i think it's really important here to note that like so sam says that like all the people who got infected a vice principal, a bouncer, a sheriff, and a bully. Basically, they were all dicks. They used fear as a weapon. Um, and Dean's like, well, we do that every day, yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's when, where, like, you're like, why then is it just Dean and not Sam? And it's like, well, he's not a dick, apparently. But then, you know, it's you go through the episode and, and how do they vanquish the ghost they use fear as a weapon. Like they literally have to scare a ghost to death, which is a hilarious sentence, by the way. I love that. But, you know, it do- it does raise the question again because there's that. And then they're like, I'm kind of picking on Dean a little bit after the whole ordeal, affectionately, but still they're picking on him. So like, 
it's like hands in the air, like, what is the difference here? And obviously it has to do with the hell stuff that is brought up that's hinted at very heavily. I'm sort of skirting around talking directly about what the reason is because it does come up later and in the off chance that Jordan reviews this episode I really don't (laughs) (laughs) want to accidentally spoil them but Ali you know what I'm talking about Mm -hmm. so like we understand that that is what it is but at the same time too we sort of have like this other antagonist character in Luther who's like this big scary guy who's actually a marshmallow and it feels kind of ambiguous to me whether they're saying that we should relate Dean to Luther or Sam because we obviously are supposed to at least a little bit think about it or else they wouldn't have that scene where they go visit Luther's uh, living brother. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I should have done more to help my brother, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and this feels like two separate episodes, like it would function so well. Because then you could have the like, oh, doesn't matter whether you think you're a bad guy or whether you're truly a bad guy. Um, And then you could have, like, Dean being introspective about that. And then you could also have, like, the idea in another episode of, like, um, bully getting revenge and, like, the idea of karma and reaping what you sow and all of that. Um, But especially with having to terrify the ghost, who is just a terrified, bullied person, to me is so stupid and offensive. So on that note, I think you had some stuff that you wanted to talk about with regards to Luther. Him as a character, all I can say is he very much reminds me of Lenny in Of Mice and Men. And why does Lenny never get a happy ending? He's poor and mentally ill. Yes. And and ugly. That's why. Poor and mentally ill and ugly. (laughs) And like deserves better. And in Supernatural, why is he, why do they have to like defeat him again? Couldn't they just bring him peace or some bullshit? No. And I think that's part of the point, right? Like part of the point is to emphasize the fact at the end that Sam is using fear as a weapon. Mm. I think it's purposeful. I think it's purposeful, but I wanted to, I wanted to say how Sam sucks for it. I want it to, uh, like, let's berate and bully Sam. You're you're over here, like, sometimes it's right to be super mean to someone if it's Sam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes? Yeah, sometimes I, I do, it. like, on a, on a more serious note, I do wish they, like, spent even a second, like, kind of unpacking that mm-hmm. beyond just Bobby being like, yeah, that was pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I have issues with it. Uh, but do you want to hear about the lore? We'd love to hear about the lore, Ali. Okay. I don't know about a Buru Buru. That's not something I come in with background knowledge. So I did a lot of research. I'm obsessed with this. It is a ghost. It was either born from an act of cowardice, like mm-hmm. abandoning a battle or something like that. Or it was born when someone dies in fear. And then when that ghost or spirit interacts with the world, they infect others unintentionally. I like the unintentional part of that more. Obviously, a ghost of fear. They live in forests and graveyards often, and it um, if you see it, it's often like a shaking old man or woman, and sometimes we'll only have one eye. Mm-hmm. So this is the part I am so obsessed with. Do you know what the name means? Yeah, it's a it's I, like a shiver. Yeah, a shudder. Mm-hmm. 
It's an onomatopoeia for the sound of shivering. Yeah, it's burr. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So they're supposed to either attach by sending a shiver down your spine or mm-hmm. cling from your collar and touch the back of your neck. <laughs> I love that. That's so gross. <laughs> it's so gross and terrifying. I also love it. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking of like what this means because obviously we talk about a lot about like what monsters say about a society. Mm-hmm. Often with this, when it attaches to someone, the victim dies later from fear. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes because of the fear, the person locks themselves away, is still afraid and complete suicide. So I like this as an explanation for anxieties, paranoia, or suicide. Because that is a terrifying thing, especially with loved ones, um, to see someone suffer so much. So I really right. like the idea of creating a monster that could then like soften that by saying, well, this is the reason. Right. Yeah, totally. And I think it helps me personally to accept the little side story that they uncover about the deceased wife who had completed suicide as well. And her connection to Luther and all of that seems it, you know, it, it feels like it fits together because of the idea of the Buddha Buddha being like introduced into the um, environment of the episode. Truly. Yeah. It fits well. I just, again this episode it has some great things it just needs a lot more intention and um, yeah not being offensive (laughs) right right while we're talking about the boodoo boodoo I thought you might be interested to know that um I actually have a physical copy of all three of Toriyama Sekian's yokai encyclopedias they're the hyakiyagyo they're real the thing that Bobby was talking about, which you may have encountered while you were researching. They're really, yeah. really cool. The volume I have is called Japandemonium Illustrated. It's just awesome. So like Koriyama was like a studied artist and poet. Basically, <laughs> these are like parody art kind of, but they sort of took off. And like, it's, it's a combination of like real, like folklore that he collected and also just like made up stuff. So it's really, it's like, it's really fun. I'm so tickled by the fact that they included that the Boodoo Boodoo was, you know, like Bobby had read about it in this book. I wish they had name dropped Toriyama. That would have been cool. But yeah, I actually am able to pull up the page, the drawing that Toriyama did of the creature it's neat. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I briefly mentioned it, but what do we make of the thing with the brother? Because I, I find, like, the actual, like, ghost case, like, really kind of convoluted. And, like, most of the information we get about it is during this scene. I think it felt like a reshoot. I felt like they added it in <laughs> after... No, really. I feel like they added it. I felt like the reshoot that was added in after to fill out that plot point because it was too straightforward and then it became convoluted as a result. Yeah, to me, I felt like um, they're like, oh, we haven't mentioned brothers being responsible for brothers in way too long. Yes. AKA like <laughs> 20 minutes. How will they understand that this character is a proxy for their main characters if we don't bring up siblings? Yes. Yes. We need a literal brother who regrets everything. Jesus. And is clearly culpable because 
In Supernatural World, you are always responsible for what your siblings do and family do. You know, the more we talk about this episode, the more I'm like, yeah, I think we're supposed to understand that Luther and Dean are like a thing. That's interesting because the more I think about it, the more I think of Sam as Luther. But just because of the idea of having to stop this person Mm -hmm. and like being the one at home culpable waiting like knowing that the other went down a bad path and especially with luther becoming like supposedly a monster i wouldn't even fully agree he's a monster but in this narrative um i think to me like that's the fear for sam right sam struggling with his literal inner demons yes yes gotcha 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 that makes sense I think they both kind of track. They're both both mm-hmm. of them. <laughs> but who's John? That's what uh, matters. The car. <laughs> John's the car. As much as I don't really care about the scene with the older brother, old man that they talk to, I love the scene outside of the facility. I think it was like a retirement home or something. I don't know. I love the scene outside of it where Dean just like breaks down everything bad about his life. His his existential crisis. Yeah, uh, I love his existential crisis. I loved it. I love it. Actually, my absolute favorite supernatural gif is of this scene, but sped up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for this particular gift, but I have a I have a kind of tangent question from that. You said this was like one of the gifts that, that like is one of your favorite in the show. Did either of you see the gift before the episode? And also when it comes to supernatural gifts, were they a, a pivot point or a conduit into the series in general that got you interested? I'm wondering yes if, yes. the, if that's part oh, of no. the appeal of the show. <gasps> Interesting. All right. I gotta know. So Allie, why yes and yes. So it's not that specific one, but in this episode, the Dean screaming. I remember seeing that on Tumblr <laughs> before I ever watched Supernatural. And I was like, this looks fun. <laughs> and it's one of the reasons I ended up watching it. That's wild. <laughs> I know exactly which Dean screaming. <laughs> yes. It yeah, is this day my favorite, my favorite clip. I can't look at it. <gasps> I can't look at it directly. I don't know. That particular bit makes me cringe. I'm like, this is, this is my, my feeling on that. Obviously Jensen and Jared are having a really good time. Like they're having (laughs) fun. Like, and I'm so happy for them, but like things that are cringy and like remarkably out of character, I can't take it like physically. Like it makes me so uncomfortable. I'm just like, it's wrong. <laughs> My body rejects it. <laughs> That's funny because I do not think it's out of character. I think That's if fine. Dean saw a spider on his pillow at night, he would do that literal face. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't a spider on the pillow. It was a cat. Uh, yeah. Jump scares get Dean in my world. He Looks does fine. get he does get jump scared in the fifties horror movie universe. That's he also true. gets jump scared in that. It tracks. He does have true. a problem with jump scares, at least in the episodes mm-hmm. that I've seen. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Well, still, I found I found it anyway. I can't look at it directly. It's <laughs> the point. I, it's, it's, I like I have to perceive it out of the corner of my eye. Mm. But yeah, no and no for me on the gifts. 
I saw the pilot in the first three episodes of Supernatural as they aired from the original air date. Really? Uh, yeah. And then I what? did not watch anything since. That's so- fair. The, the, like, the pilot is fine. Like, actually, I think for a pilot, it's, it's like, a good pilot. I but episodes it, yeah. two and three are, like, bad. Yes. I watched... I, it, my rule always with TV is it has three episodes three. To, to fully hook me. Yeah. Uh, unless it's a longer runner, in which case I give it more leniency. You, there's what, like, how many episodes of whatever anime series, like... You'll have like hundreds of them. I'll try and be like more lenient with those. But like generally, if it's not three on and the subsequent two episodes, like you said, I remember them not being as engaging or as good. Oh my gosh. And then I just kind of set it aside for a minute and discovering it now. And I'm happy that I am. I have so much fondness for Dean in episodes two and three. But other than that, I really, I can't take those episodes. They like, they're so boring. And like the one of them is like racist. That's at that time. I remember that uh, being part of the things that got me recoil from it a bit yeah definitely. i definitely did pick it up Defi- uh, oh my God. from so, more of the gifts so I, I would have to be in a little more alley camp in this one that gifts right. did attract me to the show i was like right. what is there's, this <laughs> there's a gift for everything literally uh, and i know that's sort of like an old people's supernatural meme that there's a gift for everything but like it's because it's true <laughs> but anyway moving along moving along <laughs> I, I do really like the content of some of the stuff that Dean says in his little rant to like circle us back. And, and it's because of, in particular, this moment we had in the previous episode, Monster Movie. Like, uh, do you guys remember? So Jamie, the bartender, uh, listens to Dean's little spiel about monsters being real. And she's like, that must suck. And so, like, Dean has this, like, stupid monologue, which actually reminds me a little bit of the shapeshifter monologue in season one. And and that's goofy because it was a shapeshifter episode. But anyway, essentially, he's like, oh, this is like a mission from God or whatever. (laughs) And I love that, like, because he's a little more honest with himself in this episode, because, like... Uh, like he's really accessing his fear and his like anxiety about himself and his life. He totally calls his own bullshit in the previous episode. He's like, who hunts ghosts? Us, right. That's why our lives suck. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, yeah, I hear you, sir. Yeah. Fighting, fighting the weird nerd from last week got him all in his feelings. Yeah. Absolutely. What the fuck is my life? It's like when you have a character who's drunk, right? You get the nuggets of truth. And I feel like this is the same thing. Like the altered mental state allows us to access certain parts of Dean's personality, certain levels of honesty that we aren't given access to otherwise. I think um, Dean's hallucinations, the, the further we get into that episode, that's the part that engages me. I don't really care a whole lot about the ghost fight. I actually find it pretty unengaging. And like, I'm like, wait, I want more of Dean hallucinating. Like, it feels like disruptive to that. But I have to say, I really love Jared in this first hallucination, where it's they kind of like fake us out. Because like, we've come full circle to where the cold open was, right? And Dean is like running away from the, the Yorkie. 
and he's he's in the in the hotel room and then Sam comes in and then he's like you know man am I relieved that you're gonna die (laughs) (laughs) like all this stuff I think there's something about like his just like casually mean attitude and just like fucking deal with it I don't care that I'm evil like that is so fun in a way that some of Jared's other like I'm being the villain kind of thing that we've seen in the past. It just hasn't had that same energy for me exactly, but it's it's just so cool here. I like how the hallucination gives us an opportunity to look at like how many things uh, Dean has on his mind right now because right. like you think one's bad and we keep getting more and more and leading up to the whole looming um, like threat of Lilith. Right. I, I like how it builds and kind of shows the stakes that uh, Dean's dealing with internally. Right. And I think it's fun and refreshing to do that in a way that's funny, but also just to do it at all because both of these characters, like they, they're not very willing to open up about mm-hmm. how they're feeling um especially not to each other i feel like but yeah because he's not in control of his faculties we see all of these things that he's worried about it's so fun in like a i'm so sorry but also like tell me your trauma away <laughs> yeah definitely because of like the humor that's established earlier in the episode when we start to get into these more serious hallucinations um, toward in like the second half of the episode, it allows those scenes to be campy. But you know what I mean? So like they're not, like Lilith messing with him is like creepy, spooky girl trope, whatever. But I think it works. It like functions really well here as something that sits next to you know, Dean being afraid to hold a gun because he might misfire. Yeah, I like how much there is to unpack. Dean going the speed limit. Dean not (laughs) wanting to cross a lane in a left-handed turn. Right, 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 right. Because of that already established, we're able to accept these very ridiculous things as more serious. Which is kind of the opposite of what I said previous, but I do mean both. It's like, it's more serious and more campy than it actually is. And I don't really know how to explain that beyond what I just said. So there. (laughs) (laughs) What did we think of the Lilith hallucination that's going on while Bobby and Sam are trying to scare ghosts to death? I like it because it's a reminder of what's going on in this season. Because we haven't had Lilith content really. No, yeah, no. Just the mention of her. Yeah, so I just liked it as a reminder. I didn't find it too terribly interesting. Really? Oh, I thought it was so fun. Tell more. I want to know. <laughs> well, I just, I think that child actress is really good. Yeah. There's something about, like, the delivery of her lines that just is really great. Like, the when she's like, you're still going to die. You're still going to burn. I'm like, Jesus. And she's like gently holding his face while she says that. And then they do the fully white eyes. I don't know. It's just like, it's really over the top in a way that I enjoy. And like her childishness and like her imitation of the heart thumping while they're like cutting back and forth across the action scene. And I don't know. I like it. I think it really overshadows the ghost fight, to be honest. I literally have nothing else to say about the ghost fight. Yeah, which I think is like 
That's the um, part I rewatched because I was like, I have no fucking memory of what Sam was doing. Like, I remember the Dean plot points. And I, I love how even though he only had a little time with Lilith, like, he gets Lilith. The one thing that stands out to me about the ghost fight is the way Sam smiles kind of manically right before, like, getting the chain around Luther's neck. And then does go along with sort of what I was saying earlier, which is that I think we're meant again at the end to question like why Dean and why not Sam? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about the final scene now. I'm very sensitive about how good Jared and Jensen look in this final scene. They have no right looking so good. Like they've got the denim button down going on on Sam mm-hmm. and like Dean, who's normally in like 10 layers is just got the gray Henley. And I'm like, you're not allowed to be good looking in this episode. And like right at the end where I'm trying to like wrap up my thoughts and then they just show up looking pretty, like Mm -hmm. stop it. I like that you can see that there's been a change in Dean as a character just from this scene. If like you compare it to an episode from like season one or early season two, because at first Sam asks him about the thing and he says about the howler monkeys but then he kind of corrects and is like yeah obviously that's bullshit I think like even though he's not being fully honest still like he is opening up a little more about it than he might have I'm fully with you because we've had oh my god we've talked so many fucking times about lying being such a thing in this and lying to your brother and like protection and i'm so glad even if he can't say the truth that we're like at least moving from that for sure the the thing about dean is that he's a liar yes so like there's a crumb of honesty here Mm -hmm. that i'm clinging to (laughs) are you guys ready for the fan fiction Yes. yes nice okay For this week, because there wasn't really anything that I was interested in exploring further with regards to the monster, I went with a fic that was more about Dean's hell trauma Mm -hmm. and self-worth and, you know, those things that we love to know about. We love to read fanfic Mm -hmm. about Dean feeling like a piece of shit. It's great. I sound like a psycho. But I just really like emotional intensity. So whatever you make of that. This week's fic is called Unexplored Unusual. It's by AO3 user Ilya Somina. The summary is, Hell didn't affect you, Castiel says, feeling like he's missing a significant piece of a jigsaw puzzle. Why? Couldn't, Dean clarifies. I can't feel physical pain. He pauses, staring at Castiel with an indecipherable expression before he adds, you should have left me there. So the whole idea of this fic is that Dean has congenital insensitivity to pain with anhydrosis. This is a real disease. And I was just like really interested in like what that would do to like your mental state. I don't know. It's hard to imagine decades of torture anyway, but then like with lacking physical sensation in like a hell dimension, I just find it interesting to think about. Anyway, so this one is rated M. Um, It is a Dustiel fic. Characters include 
Cass, Dean, Sam, Naomi, Bobby, and Zachariah. Additional tags are Alternate Universe, Canon Divergence, Season 4, Soulmates, um, CIPA Disease, Temporary Character Death, Minor Violence, and Aftermath of Torture. It was published in October of 2020. It has around 13,000 words and a very, very low number of hits. It's at like 776. Why? I don't understand. I think this is a really good one. So go read it. Also, notably, and I love this trend, the author made a Spotify playlist to go with the story. I just love that. Love an author who's really, really like dedicated to the vibes <laughs> they're trying to share. Do we want to rate the episode? Yeah, yeah. If, if you got if you got nothing to say, then let's move along. Let's rate the episode. <laughs> Who goes first? This is so strange without Jordan. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I guess Ben. Uh, I would rate this episode a four existential freakouts danced into one super gif out of five and uh, it's <laughs> again it's because like the the way that this episode in particular grows the characters lets you see them in new ways lets you have fun something that i enjoy getting more of the impala on screen and into yeah. the action of the plot even if the payoff is not one that i'm also on board with right i'll be real <laughs> but i i see the effort in that and i i like that a lot and you know like the uh the eye of the tiger sequence is charming i had it i I do love that they tacked on just jensen lip syncing at the end it's so (laughs) cute yeah that's one of those things you find on the day and you just keep it it's a Mm -hmm. it's a little treasure so yeah it's a i I can give it a four out of five the the one point doc is for the things that we discussed uh that didn't live up (laughs) yeah yeah i like some moments in this episode a lot i really hate some other moments mainly the name <laughs> i think this would have functioned way better as two episodes and yeah minus a lot of the issues but it does have some iconic moments for the iconic moments i'm gonna give it a three out of five dean screams <laughs> what about you jasper i think maybe this episode gets on my nerves a little bit more than either of y'all But I'm also going to give this one a three out of five wild horse murals because I think there's just so much content in this episode that's really charming and really connects key elements of previous episodes towards like the direction that the narrative is moving within the season, as well as constructing this sort of fun little monster mystery in this episode it's just that the the stuff that pisses me off really pisses me off mm-hmm. what were they thinking with that title i mean i know yeah. what they were thinking but what were they thinking you know but yeah a three three out of five from me as well and although we do not have jordan with us today Jordan is sending us in their predictions for season four, episode seven. Hey everyone, it's Jordan. I know I was a little MIA this episode, but I did not want to deprave you of my predictions because let me tell you, it's going to be juicy. That's actually a lie. I have genuinely no clue what's going to happen next. Okay, so I think I've already talked about the overall arcing thing that's going on right now, where I think this is kind of like a good versus evil, Sam versus Dean thing. But I'm just going to talk more about what I want. What I really want is some more, like, 
this one's awful, but like PTSD Dean storylines. Like, I want to know what happened in hell. And I think we're going to kind of get that a little bit. Like, this episode was kind of, like, all about, like, Dean's fear. And he had really just gone through this big traumatic experience. Yeah, I think we're going to delve in that a little bit more. I think maybe we'll have, like, one of the seals be, like, a demon that tortured Dean. I think that would be pretty cool. Thanks for that, Jordan. I hope all of your dreams and hopes come true. Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhard, and special thanks to Sophia Linden for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in middle of nowhere, USA, because next episode doesn't have a specific location. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.